came to us two years ago and said, I want to make a movie about... He said, I want to make the movie about the history of poop, and it's a documentary. <laughs> I want it to be funny. And I want you guys to help me do it. And we said, no, no we're not going to do it. Are no. you joking? Absolutely not. It's not our brand. It's not who we are. It's like, if it's really successful, then we're going to be known as the poop guys. If it's terrible, it's a shitty movie. No pun intended. <laughs> Welcome to the Jim Rohn Podcast, episode 26. Today I sit down and crack open a mic with Randy and Jason Sklar, two of the sharpest, most talented guys that are working in this business right now. I cannot tell you how much I like and respect these two. We go way, way back, way back on the program. They were substitute pimps in the box. They are among the most popular fill-in hosts in the history of the jungle. These two have been my guests on JRIB, on my CBS and my Showtime shows. Hell. I was their guest on Ep 200 of Sklarborough Country, which is without question one of the best things that has ever happened to me or my brand. And now they're sitting down with me once again for this pod. Now, I've got to be straight with you. This one gets a little bit crude for a few moments due to some fairly stinky subject matter, but it's funny as hell. So know your surroundings before you go any further. Pot up because things get popping right after this word from my pals at Lumber Liquidators. It's a new year, right? We all want to elevate our game to that next level and make 2018 the best year ever. If you're a contractor or a builder or a remodeler, listen up because elevating your game this year just got a whole lot easier thanks to my pals at Lumber Liquidators and their new LL Pro Plus program. LL Pro Plus is Lumber Liquidators' new pro services team that you can call for all of your professional flooring needs. LL Pro Plus will help you absolutely crush it this year with professional price and dedicated support to get you what you need when you need it so you can get your projects finished on time. LL Pro Plus gives you the ultimate value and quality and with LL Pro Plus, no job is too large or too small. Put the flooring experts on your team today. Visit your local Lumber Liquidator store or go to LumberLiquidators.com. That's LumberLiquidators.com. So, I took the week off from voicemails last episode, and let me tell you, it felt like a month. Check that. It felt like a year. In other words, it felt awesome. Man, it was so good to get away from that nonsense and let a fire interview stand on its own. Now, that is the second time that I've shelved the answering machine, and it felt great both times. So don't think that I won't give it the Louisville treatment once and for all, because you know I will. But since the Sklars are in this week, and we're going to have some fun and some laughs, I figured maybe the voicemail would serve as a good opening act. Keyword being maybe. Let's find out. You have 12 new messages. First new message. Till Hawk the Freddie Mercury look-alike to sing. We will, we will rock my cat. God, anybody that gets a cat on his arm is a loser. Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Jim. Uh, it's Andy from Auckland. So I just went and bought $30 worth of firewood. You know, you get it at the grocery store. And I don't know how to light it. I put it all in the fireplace, and I put on Simon and Garfunkel. How do you light a fire? So I put the – I got some stuff out of the backyard, like the little pieces of wood, and I put them in the fireplace on the wood that I spent $30 on, and it's not lighting. Uh, 
I got a Twitter yesterday, and I went on there, and there was all kinds of stuff about this guy, um, Hawk, and some other weird stuff on my Twitter. Um, the Hawk guy and those guys on Twitter, I think they're kind of weird. So, talk to you later. All right. Love you. Bye. Message saved. Next message. Rome, Scott from Peoria. Thank you for the vine. David freaking Goggins, man. Greatest interview ever. On your Mount Rushmore, my friend. Keep it up, Jim. You're changing the world, man. Message saved. Next message. Vance Mac, unbelievable. David Goggins. I don't know where you find these people. They get better every week. Peace. Message saved. Next message. Romy. Sergio in the OC, hey, congrats on getting serious, man. I remember a few years back when you were debating your uh, contract, you didn't know which way to go, serious or terrestrial. Back then, who would have thought you could do both at the same time? You're killing it, brother. Good job. Great Goggins interview. Message saved. Next message. Bill in Richmond, Virginia here, Romy. Holy shit. David freaking Goggins. Wow. Message saved. Next message. Yo, Romy, it's Luke in Fort Collins. There's a podcast I think you would really enjoy. It's about this older guy who moves to Oakland, and then he ends up conning this family out of like $100 million over 10 years. It's called Dirty John Gruden. Check it out. You'll like it. Message deleted. Next message. Yeah, hey, Rome. Uh, uh, getting on my man Hawk there today. Uh, this is Thursday. Uh, shit, I forget the day. Anyway, um, I saw a bird chasing a golden eagle, and I looked it up. Anyway, the bird that was chasing the golden eagle was actually called a pigeon hawk, bro. I'm just saying, you know, just because he didn't know who Larry Holmes was, you know what I'm saying? I'm out, bro. Message deleted. Next message. Elijah Freeman here. I listened to you up in Wisconsin, and you are the best sports talk show host on the planet. I've got a coworker that we go back and forth just referencing your show, loving your show, war the Jim Rome show, war the Jim Rome podcast, war the simulcast, and war you, Jim. I'm out. Message saved. Next message. Play it for me, Yombie. No, dead. No, dead. Play it for me, Yombie. No, dead. No, dead. Play it for me, Yombie. No, dead. No, dude. And all the Gargum say I'm pretty fly for a sound guy. Message deleted. You have no more messages. I mean, if you thought that was bad, you're right. If you thought that was bad, you should have heard what we deleted. But, you know me, glass half full. Pretty fly for a sound guy. The offspring coming in hot to the voicemails for Mr. Alvin Deloro. Hawk getting crushed yet again with some Freddie Mercury smack. I don't think that's the last time we're going to hear that. Also, Luke and Fort Collins with Dirty John Gruden. Luke, you will never do better than that, Luke. That was your finest moment. If I'm you, Luke, I walk off on that and I never call ever again. Not the radio program or not the podcast. That is your finest moment. Pod Talk and Raider Smack. And I want to thank everybody for the kind words about the serious XM News and for the outstanding reaction to last week's pod with David Goggins and Andy, 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 Andy. Good luck with the firewood. Next time, try some newspaper. Do not burn the house down. And I love you too. 
Now, here's the deal. If you or somebody you know snores, you've got to get a Zipa. Go to Zipa.com, and here's why. Snoring is not sleeping. If you snore, it's a disgusting habit that can easily be fixed with a Zipa. Snoring is rude. It's disrespectful to all the people who sleep next to you. Imagine how it feels for somebody to keep you up all night long and there was nothing you can do about it. You want to get to bed, but they keep waking you up. This is what happens every night to a person who sleeps with somebody who snores. If you snore, you need to get a Zipa. Let me spell that out for you. Z-Y-P-P-A-H. That's Happy Z spelled backwards. Zipa is a revolutionary snoring solution that is guaranteed to work. They have hundreds of five-star reviews and a news story showing Zipa being the only solution that does work. So go to Zipa.com. That's Z-Y-P-P-A-H.com. Show some respect to the people who matter to you most. If you snore, you need to get a Zipa. Go to Zipa.com right now. The Sklar brothers are freaking legends. I mean, you put these dudes in front of a mic, you let them go. I'm proud to say that I knew these guys way back when. I could give you five minutes on what Randy and Jason have done, their albums, the Netflix specials, the show Cheap Seats from ESPN Classic, a couple of monster podcasts, and now their movie, Poop Talk, which is available to stream or download. But I would only be scratching the surface on what these two have accomplished. That movie, Poop Talk, is why I told you that there is some graphic language coming up. So if this is not the right time to listen, maybe you hit pause and you come back to it. But if it is, get ready for a tremendous conversation with two of my favorite guys ever. Whenever anybody asked us, because you're such a part, we're intertwined. We've done so much stuff with you, guest hosting the radio show, doing the Showtime show, show yep. doing the CBS, the show, Rome is Burning. I mean, we've been on all of it, and people are like, what is Jim Rome like? And we say he's he's what you expect him to be. He is a man of his word. He's, he's professional. He, he's and he awesome. has always supported us. And we for that, we're like, he's ours. Like, we'll, we'll go to the mat for this guy no matter what. And I'll what. say this. We were just in Rochester, New York, doing stand-up. Everywhere we go, there will always be, like, 10 to 15 people per show come up to us and say, I learned about you guys through Rome. I yeah. love that. Not I love that. That, 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 that is awesome. Yeah. You know what? I, I feel as good about that as you guys do because I, I respect you guys so much and like you guys so much. And I'm glad that you've got that kind of feeling about this show and this brand. And I love that for everything that you guys have done, you are still recognized in a lot of corners from people from being on these shows. Totally. I love that. I take it's a lot of pride great. in that. It is real. And you should because we've done a lot of things. And you, but is, we take pride in it because we're like, oh, you are a Rome fan. And we won you over because we do what you do, but we do it differently. And so either people love it or they don't like it, but we won that person which, over. Which, by the way, I love that you never told us, hey, could you guys be a little more this? Or uh-huh. Could you guys be uh-huh. a little more that? I don't right. know if our audience is going to do. You were, And I remember one time when you you had gotten, I was listening, I was just listening, and you had gotten a bunch of new stations had joined. This is like years ago. And you said, That's okay, right. I want to talk to the stations out there and the people the out there. People. You're going to hate me for two weeks. You're going to hate me. You will like me after that point. If you if you have the balls to stick around and 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 listen to the yep. show, you will love me in three weeks. And I was like, that's great. And we guest hosted your show enough that I feel like we won a lot of people over. Oh, you guys you did. Know. You guys did. Not, not only would I never, ever tell you to do anything other than what you guys are great at, I would even go one step further. I think that I can't do what you guys can do, but you guys can do what I can do no, because no, you hosted no. my show. No, I mean, hey, come on. No, come it's, on, really quick. Man. I want to talk about your latest project, Poop 
talk in a minute, but because you hosted The Jungle, this is a really tough thing to do. It's tough for anybody to step in here and try and do this show, and you're one of the clones' all-time favorite fill-in hosts. I've got to know, what was that project like for you guys, and how did you attack it? What was your process in hosting this show? So the first time, I feel like we didn't, and it was a good thing. You know how ignorance is bliss? I don't think we fully understood what we were taking on when when Travis Rogers asked us the first time. Okay, so I had been doing the show. Jim Rome was burning a few times, and he said, hey. Do you guys want a guest host? Do you guys want a guest host? And we, you know, many times we'll just say yes, and then we'll figure it out. We'll figure out what we need to do later. And I think we kind of went into it not knowing fully, but we said, okay, we're going to take a few days and prep this thing out. We worked really hard to prepare. Worked really hard to prepare. And... And then when we did it, we're like, oh, my God, this was so fun. I can't believe it. Yeah, it was one of those things where we, as soon as we wrapped the show, they're like, that's it. We're like, that was three hours? And they said, yeah. And the fact that you felt like it went by quickly means you did well. Because what you do on the show, you don't don't ever say, all right, let's go to the NFC East and run down all the teams. You never do that. It's like, hey, here's something that's going on in sports. This is going on in the NFL right now. Hey, there was a lot of, and we talk about this on our podcast now because informed by the way we prep for your show. So in the middle, there was like in the NBA one week, like maybe a month ago, there were like three fights. Guys were getting really chippy, and I thought, and people were saying, this uh, is a M- knock on the league. Look at how out of control these guys are. We were saying our, our Rome mind of like, have the take. What's we like, our take? Our take was, look, people care about the right. Re- these guys are caring about the regular season. Right. People, this is great for basketball. Guys giving a crap in February about the NBA rather than June when we normally see it. This is good for the league. So it was great in that it shaped the way we kind of look at sports and we say, okay, here's a phenomenon that's happening. How can we put our take on it? And so that's you what we learned. Go about, you go about it the same way I do. What's your take? What's your take? What's Everything take? is like, what's your take? What's your take? All right, guys. Now, I want to talk more about that in a second. I want to talk about the Showtime show, too, because that was unbelievable. I never, for all the things that I've done, I've never done premium cable. And you dudes went to a whole new place. <laughs> like, my first thought was premium cable. Now I can say what I want. Right. But it's not an issue for me because I always say what I want. It wasn't until I got to say what I wanted that I thought it was cool to say what I want. Yeah. But you dudes showed up in a totally different way and got progressively more and more aggressive with it. Yeah. I got to say, dudes, by the end of the fourth season, I was freaking afraid of you guys uh, for the no. shit that was going to come out of your mouth. No, now, was this was this normal stage stuff, or did you feel that premium cable? You guys, for Sklard for Life is what okay. we're talking about. Sklard for Life is the segment we did on, the, on your show. I mean, the crazy show. thing about how that came about is, so you were doing a test show of this right. in front of an audience, and your guys said but that. You guys knew. I had never done audience stuff like that yeah. other than my tour stops right. way back in the day. Right. And the audience, man, that, those audiences. I mean, you have to get them. You got to get them in certain moments. But you did a great job with it. But the, the thing was you had a panel and you were trying to test the panel out. Right. But you couldn't obviously get the guests who were going to be there to come For in the, the test day show. Right. So we came in and like I was Ronda Rousey and Randy was. I forgot who Dr. I was. Dr. Harry Edwards. <laughs> okay, you know, right. sure. I like the way we get... look like Dr. Harry Edwards and Ronda Rousey. And so we came in and it was, and this is our attitude. We're like, we're going to come in and we're going to, we're going to flame it. I mean, we're going to blow, we're going to come in with such good takes. And then afterwards we're going to walk with Mike Antonoro out to our car and we're going to say, Hey dude, we've got an idea for a segment for this show. We're, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go in and do a good job, make the audience laugh and really come with fresh takes. Hold and then we're going to say, and, nail them. and then, and then tell him. And he said, okay. So we walk out of the, after we did the thing with you, he walks to the car and he's like, what's the segment you want to do on this show? We're like, here it is. It's wrong. Every week, these weird things happen in sports. 
when it's our turn we to wanted to call in. like a two-on-one break or something like that where you would just serve up the topic and then we I would make jokes logs, dudes yeah and we would just take the and there was video it got really good when we had great video and we could just sort of almost do like what our old show was cheap seats over the video and for us it was like great to be able to prepare hard solid jokes. biting jokes about stuff that's happening in the world sports. Yeah, but it was cheap seats on roids though, I man. Know, I mean, it was aggressive. It, it was, was aggressive. really we good. Couldn't, we could never say what we were saying on ESPN. That was the other thing. We're like, what can we give the people here at Showtime? Something that we just can't, we couldn't do anywhere else and you couldn't that's see right. anywhere else on TV and so that was what inspired us to really go for yeah, it. When I think back to that show, there are lots of things about that show that I really like. There are things that I would do differently, but that that was without question one of my favorite things about that show, Sklard for Life. I thought you guys went to a different place. Now, you guys have produced an entire film about something I'm not entirely comfortable talking about. You weren't either. And I get that. Poop. First, guys, let me play the trailer. Okay. Alvi? I just hated pooping so much that I figured poop is excess food or whatever. So I was for years a little obsessed with trying to eat the right amount. But then I would still poop. People clock my restroom visits because somebody will see me go into a bathroom and be like, oh, that's the guy from Modern Family, and then be waiting for me coming out. It's like my worst fear. It's like, I'm glad I don't public poop. They'd be like, wow, he's five minutes in there. It has this very powerful disgust biology associated with it, and then the culture reinforces all that with shame and embarrassment. I'm okay with you knowing that I'm doing it. I'm just not okay with you hearing it, and I'm not okay with you smelling it. I really think it's called number two because it's the second best thing you can do with your body. My mother used to call them bowel movements. Poop. 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 Poop, right? I definitely think about poop probably more than most people. I don't know, maybe everybody thinks about poop a lot. It's the only thing that we can all agree on that everyone does. It might be slightly different, but we all get it. The way that we can take in and eliminate impurities, it's a biological marvel. I don't think I've ever pooped in Royal Stadium. I don't think I've ever pooped in Dodger Stadium. I know I've never pooped at Staples Center. I got poop all down my leg. My legs didn't dangle below the door. Another dude, when he left, he thought he was by himself in the bathroom, so he just turns off the light. I was freaking out. This still has not been verified by me. I may have cleaned up Nick Swartzen's poop. 100% true, by the way. I'm done with my poop talk. Guys, not gonna be, I gotta be real. Now, <laughs> you, you just you just said this, Randy, that yeah. not everybody was really comfortable with this. Hey, look, I'm with you guys. You made a whole film about this. I'll say it. I don't think that I ever even dumped in public yeah. until my late 40s, all yeah. right? Uh, uh, poop talk. We, How did this film okay. come to be, poop talk? So again, and then we kind of had a similar attitude. So a friend of ours who we'd known forever, great filmmaker, Aaron Feldman, guy we knew from childhood, came to us two years ago and said, I want to make a movie about... He said, I want to make the movie about the history of poop, and it's a documentary. <laughs> I want it to be funny, and I want you guys to help me do it. And we said, no, no we're not going to do it. Are no. you joking? Absolutely not. It's not our brand. It's not who we are. It's like, I, if it's really successful, then we're going to be known as the poop guys. If it's terrible, it's a shitty movie. No pun intended. <laughs> right? And we're like, well, It's like a lose-lose. <laughs> but, but then he said, don't say no. He said, take the weekend 
and think about how you would make this movie the way you'd want to. So we did. We like talked a lot over the and weekend. We really talked about it. And we came back. We said, all right, what if we got together like 50 of our funniest friends, people you know, Pete Holmes, the star of Crashing, Kumail Nanjiani, the star of The Big Sick, Dr. Drew, Corolla, who you love and know and is just a great raconteur, you know, Nikki Glaser, like men, women, black, white, just it doesn't matter. We try, let's cross What this. was their reaction? Were they into it or did you have to sell them? Into it. Even well, the we, people who were uncomfortable were like, I'll talk about how uncomfortable I am. And we were like, great, this is great. Because they were into it because we said, trust us. We leaned on our on our reputation. We said, we will not make a bad movie. We will make you look good. Our goal is to make something honest and smart and open. Like, why is this something that everybody does, yet people don't talk about it? People have a problem with, are we, is that appropriate? Or should we be more open about it? And so it is, we get at those questions by talking to, you know, we think of comedians, and you've interviewed a bunch of comedians. Comedians are like amateur anthropologists. We study human behavior. We say, this is the way we act and show it to the audience. And then they say, oh, yeah, shit, I, I didn't yes. realize that. Right. We do this, and that's where the laughter comes. So we're like, these are the best people to talk about it. We had some scientists thrown in, but nothing too. It's just a fun 70-minute. And some of the best shit stories Oh, my God. Right, ever. So give me, what's your favorite shit story from this talk, from this movie, I yes. mean, I, I would say Brad Williams, who is a dwarf comedian, tells great dude, a story. has two specials on Showtime, like legit funny, hilarious friend comic of ours. and friend of ours. He and he wasn't even supposed to be in the movie. He was just at the improv hanging out while we were doing the interviews, and he's like, "What are you doing?" We're like, "We're doing a movie." About do you have a, do you have a shit story? He's like, "I have <laughs> the shit story." So. Right? Okay, sit down. So. He sits down and proceeds to tell a story about how he was in the bathroom uh, and he was in the handicapped stall because he's like, I'm handicapped, right? It's like, I probably should use this. I'm the guy to use it. It's a higher toilet than the other toilet, so his legs don't dangle below the door. So when right. someone walks in, he thinks Thought that he's, he's alone. alone. Uh. So someone goes in, goes to the bathroom, washes his hands, and as he's leaving, turns, he turns out, out the, the light. light. So now this mm. kid's in the dark and he's shitting. And he's like, which he said is like the worst George Michael song ever, Shitting, shitting in the, the Dark. dark. Hilarious, hilarious. And then he proceeds, I don't want to give away the story, the rest of the story away, but his attempt to escape from the bathroom is an epic story. But here's the thing, and this is why I love it. It's, yes, it's a story about shitting in the dark in this moment, but it's really, if I were to say to this guy, you're a dwarf, you're a comedian, you're all these things, tell me one story that defines your entire life, he would tell that That's story. It. Yeah. That's it. And he so this movie story. started to become about other things and about bigger things and more weirdly like, profound in certain moments. Yeah, it really is like, a, first of all, it's easy to watch. I and mean, when we went to, we went to where it premiered in LA in a theater, it was in theaters for one week. It was down at the LA, the Santa lovely Monica. Santa Monica. And we went there and nobody, we didn't know anyone in the theater. That was a great sign for us because it wasn't friends and family. It was just random people who came to the, to the movie. And they laughed. I mean, there were probably about 10 to 15 out loud, whole theater laughing moments. So what's that feel like for you guys? Awesome. Uh, I mean, Amazing it's moment. It's, it's a just, great moment. And it, also, it's cool in this day and age when, like, everyone's on their phone. Like, to be in, like, a room. It, we get it when we do stand-up. But, like, that communal moment where we all laugh at something. And this movie is, like... Every single type of attitude towards it is represented. Yeah, if so, you're someone who's uncomfortable about it, there's that guy in there talking well, about like it. Well, like Eric Stone Street. What Stone was his Street. reaction? Oh, my God. He was like, I'm so uncomfortable about it. And, and then, people clock his visits, his, his bathroom visits. Yeah. Because he's a famous guy. Like, if someone saw you out in the world and be like, there's <laughs> Rome, you can't go in the bathroom for like nine minutes. Yeah, right. like, you well, just I could, but maybe he can't. Maybe, right. Maybe but they, they clock his they bathroom, clock his bathroom visits. And then he started, he's a huge sports fan. He's got Dodger tickets yeah, right behind home plate. He's like a huge Kansas, Kansas City. State. He's a Kansas City Royals fan. I know he's all the things. So I started asking him, all right, 
if you had to poop in a stadium, what do you do? Well, you're He's at like, a game. Oh, I've never pooped in any stadium. Right. So we're like, okay, name all the stadiums you haven't pooped in. And he starts listing them off, and it's the funniest thing ever. Just to hear him use the phrase, I've never pooped at Qualcomm. That's funny. Magic. <laughs> Magic. I love, that's a great, I love line. That. great line. All right, all right. So if the thing ran for a week already, if people want to see it right now, where do they go? You go to iTunes, Amazon, or VOD. It's on your on demand. If you're on your cable on demand, you could just check it out. It's called Poop Talk. I mean, listen, we came out the same week as the Black Panther. Mm. That was, we should have probably called our movie the Brown Panther. <laughs> Brown Panther been would have been a good name. Brown for the Panther, movie. Lady Turd, <laughs> could have been Toilet Water. We would have done that. Get well, it out. Get it out. All right. So if you guys did the thing that's so taboo and you didn't want to do it and you crushed it, now you own that what's next i mean you, you gotta can, go next level so you could do anything i mean that's th what i loved about this is we we sort of tiptoed into an area that people right? don't really talk about and we i felt like we handled it the right way i mean you could do anything you can do you masturbation. masturbation you could do i mean whatever is something that people just and i feel like we're starting to get as a society become let talk less and less about that stuff so maybe this is it feels like a little bit you of found a your new brand i think we have, i mean I if you can handle it the, in a smart way we're in we're in yeah which is always the key if you can handle it in a smart way you know you guys as far back as we go we've never talked about how far back you guys go yeah and the story really is amazing the two of you guys went to the university of michigan you were all set your life was planned out you were going to go to law school mm -hmm. but obviously that did not happen what happened we we were doing stand-up doing stand-up in ann arbor and then in detroit we started doing it at mark ridley's comedy castle like once a week and we just it, there was something about it you know you you know because this happened to you in college when you were doing radio you're like I love this. When you get behind the mic or we stand up on stage and we do it in front of people, we said this gives us, you know, law school is just was the safe way to go. If we do with an English major from the University of Michigan, that to me is the safe route. This felt like this is makes us feel alive. Right. And so we brought a comedian to come who we loved from L.A. Andy Kindler was his name. Great comedian. And it's still his name. It's still his name. <laughs> so he comes out to Michigan and we said, look, man, we love you. Will you just take a look at our act and see if we have what it takes to even think about going forward? And he said... He watched her stuff. He's like, I think you guys are really funny. I think you're really funny hanging out more than you are on stage. You're going to have to like rewrite your whole act. You're going to have to move to a coast. You got to go to LA or go to New York, in my opinion, where there's a really good comedy scene and let those guys push you. You know, it's like when you're around, it's like sports. If you're, you play to the level of your competition. Sure. So when you are around great athletes, you're going to, you're going to step your game up. You raise your game. Your game okay, up, so. but, 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 but what about the family? What about mom and dad? I mean, hey, by the way, guys, we're hard. not going to be lawyers. We're going to be comedians that was a hard one go? hard conversation especially since we basically they paid out of their pockets and we didn't come from a wealthy family out of state we tuition said, in michigan we said you don't have to spend another dime on us after school we will take care of it we'll we said it. we'll defer law school for a year which kind of made them feel a little bit safe but we knew once we went to new york we're never going to law school went to new york we said you do not have to pay a dime we'll get jobs and we worked in like television, but around the outside of it. You know, I was working at, I was a CBS page for a while. I worked, you know, Page like the Letterman Show. Page of the Letterman, seating people How at awesome the Letterman Show. Amazing. I mean, because Letterman for us sure. was your guy. You know, Huge up, our guy. And so, you know, that and was. This is mid 90s. This is mid 90s. Like politically incorrect was being done at, at like 52nd and 10th in a CBS building. So I got to watch, you know, great comedians and great people on that and Bill Maher. And I thought to myself, okay. We're here. 
let's let's try and make a go of it. And we did. And and within three years, we got uh, Apartment 2F, which was our show that we did on MTV, which kind of really gave us a national. And that was a crazy show when you think about that. Galifianakis was in the cast. Stephen Colbert did the second episode of that Amy show. Amy Poehler and UC Upright Citizens Brigade. That was their first TV thing. Bill Burr did stand-up yeah, the on stand-ups the show. stand-ups on that show because we had stand-up in the show. Bill Burr, Jeff Ross. Pat Noswell. Pat Noswell. Patrice, Patrice O'Neill. May he rest in peace. Monstrous. I mean, le- yeah. legends in the game. So let me ask yeah. you guys this. I mean, obviously, you're very bright. You're very talented. You're good guys. You had a lot of drive. But how much of your success, and you've had an amazing run in a very tough business, how much of your success is about timing? I mean, it's, timing. you need it. It's everything. It's I all. Mean, you, there's, there, it's so funny because we see friends of ours, and, and we've seen friends of ours, you know, really hit in that one moment and kind of jump in that jet stream, and that's the thing. And you never know what it's going to be. So you got to keep trying. You got to keep putting out great work. And then hope that that thing becomes but one the of thing. those things takes off. Yeah, but, but the timing thing, I mean, for instance, if I were to say to you guys, if you were born five years earlier, it's so much would so. we be having this conversation in this room right now? Because talk about what happened when you got to New York in the mid-90s and how the game had changed. You're, game absolutely, right. It, you're absolutely You're right. 100% right. So comedy was going through this huge change. In the 80s, like, every, there was just a... Five comedy clubs in every city because the comedy boom, it was on every channel. There was comedy on A&E. If there was comedy on A&E today, you'd be like... The improv? Yeah. yeah. We used to you watch that. Janet and I used to watch that. There yeah. you go. So, so you watch that It wasn't good comedy, no, no, by the way. No, it wasn't great, so but it was it on is, TV. Here's the best example, and it's the best sports analogy. It's expansion sports. When you put an expansion team in the league, the level of talent goes way down. It gets so, watered down. It gets watered down. So now you got three clubs in Des Moines. Can, do they really have a market to handle three headliners in a week? So you got guys who were features who had 30 minutes who were being asked to do an hour. Guys who were who had 10 minutes asked to do 30 minutes. So then, you know, people show up to see comedy and they're like, what is this thing? And everyone sounds like someone else and everyone's derivative. It's, you know what it's, you know so what that is. So then what happened is. Like, and, what would you guys have done? Like, if you guys were born five years earlier, then we would have would your active been? I think Maybe we would have been in that in system. Part, part, part of that, right? Yeah, it exactly. would have been more twin humor. Maybe we would have just focused on being twins. Whereas now, what happens when we got to New York, alternative comedy started. It kind, kind of, of like indie rock. It like emerged like indie rock. Indie rock said, listen, we're not going to do the regular stuff that, you know, you see kind of the same cookie cutter stuff coming out there. We're going to do our own thing. And it almost formed in response to that. Punk came up in response to disco. I mean, that's just the way it happened. And so... But it wasn't angry, and I love punk, but Me it wasn't too. angry like punk. It was and just punk can be smart. It was smart, though. It was yeah, smart it, and what creative. It, what it did, and you you hit on it exactly, what it so did. So like if was, we were to go up in the mid-90s and perform, there's a great place down uh, called Luna Lounge down on, like, it was on Ludlow Street on the Lower East Side. I, I mean, this is the time you're talking about Chappelle performed down there. Mark Marin, Louis C.K., uh, Jeff Ross, Sarah Silverman, Garofalo. Those types. Yes, yeah, so we're club in the, like that. We're in the back of the room. And, and we're, what are you, what's going, what are you guys saying watching these guys? want to be How can we be, part can we of this? be a part of this? And then we started to be a part of it. We started to be a part of it. We started to jump in. We were a little after those guys in comedy classes, as it were. Like, we kind of came just after them. But we started to share the stage with these guys and creating material. If we were to come up and do the eight, like an 80s version of what this act would be, you wouldn't get they a laugh. They would have crushed you, right? You wouldn't get a laugh. And, and, and then you would ask And then you can't come back. You can't right. done. You'd be done. So it, it forced us to be creative. It forced us to say, why are you guys funny? Like, don't give them what they're expecting. Give them something a little different. And that, for us, was like always informed our comedy and everything we've done. So even with this poop 
documentary, we said, okay, people would expect one thing. We're not going to give you what you expect with this movie. It actually is a smart movie. So you think, oh, poop talk, it's going to be just like a it's not funny, guys. Movie. I'm, I'm starting to flashback. I'm starting to jump in because I, I thought the same thing. When I first came up, people were like, man, it's like, it's lowbrow. It's the lowest common denominator. And I kept thinking, it's not. It's actually smart. The yeah. gym was actually smart. Yeah. It's funny and it's smart. And it's only the people who aren't as smart who don't get how smart it is. That's right. It works on a couple of levels. And the, the other thing that's great about the jungle that I think we took away from it in a big way, and we, we kind of use that philosophy now with our one of the podcasts that we're doing, Dumb People Town, which is not sports focused. behind that. I want you to explain that just, too. What, what is that about? That's so really we do funny. it with our co-host Dan Van Kirk, who has done Wahlberg on your show. Like okay. who called in as, as Mark Wahlberg, and people think it's Wahlberg. He's <laughs> that good of an impressionist, and he's a good improviser. Basically... We believe the world's getting dumber. Or dumb and smart are fighting and dumb has dumb strength. Or dumb's getting louder. Or whatever I mean, it is. Whatever. And so is our dumb way, winning? Dumb, dumb is winning right now. now. Okay. So like what how do we fight back? Jim? It's with humor. <laughs> it's with humor. And so Dan our our fans, our townies, like in the same way like clones are out there like scouring. These guys scour for these unbelievable stories. They send them into Dan, he breaks them down, and then us and a guest break down the story. John Ham, Keegan Michael Key, like you name it. We've had really great guests on this show. And then the four of us just riff, riff and create comedy out of the stupidity that will and try to, you know, plant a flower in a shit garden. And that's what we do. And 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 for us, the you know, community built of townies out there. And again, it can be it's reflective in the community of clones. You know, there's clones. a language. There's Absolutely. a there's a language. There's the, the, people love to be a part of it. People love to call in. I mean. I don't know if you saw the movie. Uh, what was it? The, was it the fan? That's no, not the fan. It was like the biggest fan or something. Big Pat, fan. Big fan. No. Pat Oswalt, okay. our really good friend, uh, starred in this movie as like a guy who calls into a sports talk right, radio right, right, right. and Rappaport. It's it's him and Rappaport. And they're it. two like opposing like clones essentially. They're sure. they're two opposing clones and they and they call into a show and they have beef with each other and it's sort of. But like, I love that it. You know, to me, it was like. A, not a ripoff of your thing. It was an homage to what you had built Just with your show. With like the the legal pad, writing sure. off the take and going over it That's in their it. closet That's 10 it. minutes That's what it is. before they get on the show. Why? Because this is like prized real estate. When you get in this, when you get in the jungle, you got to have the take. You got to know what you're so talking about. I try to school them up like that. I try to coach yeah, them up. The this is beachfront real estate. All yes. right. You have to earn yeah. your right here. That's but then it. when someone squeaks by and gives you a global warming, <laughs> you <laughs> love it. It's a great thing. You kind the of, best. You, you appreciate that as well because you know that like sometimes the worst stuff you don't know when it's through, coming and you know that that could be something you could rip I mean, off we have, it's what's cool is from guest hosting your show we have like sound drops that who, people who just call in when we guest host like yeah. Conor, oh, Conor this Con guy Morris. Connor Conor I mean like it's just great drops that we've developed and that's so that community that's really important and that we sort of took that out of you know doing your show as well you know, but the game the game has changed so much I'm glad you guys oh, brought yeah. up Keegan Michael Key because he came on this podcast a few episodes yeah. back I know you guys are tight with him yeah Brilliant guy. I'm, I'm glad he's so talented. He's such a mm -hmm. good guy. But we asked him, or I asked him about the unwritten rule that nothing is off limits in comedy, that if something is said as a joke, that's exactly what it is. It's a joke, and Key didn't agree. Key said it all comes down to the comic's intention, and if a comedian is trying to inflict pain on somebody with that joke, yep. then it's not a joke. Yeah, Where do you guys come out? Is comedy this safe space for anything and everything, or is there a yeah, but to it? I would say that within comedy, there are safe spaces where we we guess we sometimes like celebrity judge something called the roast battle, which is actually also was on a show on Comedy Central. The tournaments were it's basically like eight mile, but for comedians. All right, sure. and comedians attack each other in that. And 
nothing is off limits. It's all on the table. And the, really, if you're smart with it, then it doesn't matter what you say. And that room, there's an agreement that's sort of made with everyone that like anything can be said. Anything's possible. If you make a bad joke at someone's expense, you're going to get no laughs. You'll get booed. It's it's like you have to be, if you're creative with the way you do it, you can say the most leeway. offensive things in the world and get away with it. And it almost feels like a release in this society. I agree. Right I agree with Keegan when I when you say like, what's that comedian's intention with this with this bit? I mean, we went out. This is a crazy thing because social media. I know where he's going with it because you can make a joke on social media on Twitter and you can go after someone or something. So you want to hear like a crazy. This is the, okay. The rooms, was, the rooms, the platforms are so different. There different. are things that I can say here that I wouldn't tweet. No. There are things that I say on TV that I wouldn't put on Instagram. It. It's all different, right? It's all. I mean, but it's not feeling, just the message, but we're feeling human beings and we are that's who we are right. sometimes it comes out in certain ways so okay so we were, we were in San, going up to San Francisco to do shows I went up early with my son I think he was like five I was at a little like the exploratory museum like sure. along the Embarcadero and Randy's on a plane coming up to meet us there because we got a show that night my in-laws are there they're going to watch my kid so I have a few hours with my son and we're in the museum and I just get a little alert on my phone that says that Tony Stewart's going to race two weeks after he uh killed, killed that guy on sure. the track which i listen you know our attitude was and our attitude deeply about that was hey man you're a hothead i've seen everything you've done you've taken your helmet and thrown it at someone who was driving towards you it's made you a great racer but you are a hothead let's not pretend that that doesn't make you do things that are questionable all right i don't think he went out to murder a guy but i definitely think by watching the tape over and over again that he took a swerve toward the dude and whatever happened, happened, all right? So, and the guy was wrong to be on the track, but that's not the argument here. What I was saying was, I can't believe this dude's racing again. Two weeks later, like, take, take some time off. You, do you need the money? What, so, so I was- I don't think that's an unreasonable take. Not an unreasonable take, but so I, but what I, I'm a comedian, so I'm at the museum with my kid, and I just fire off a tweet. All right. I'm like, I just found out Tony Stewart's race again tonight. I'm not watching the race because I'm at a museum. Can someone let me know when he kills someone? All right. So fine. All right. So I crossed the line. I went for it. All right. Now, I didn't realize who was following us, but there was a woman who was following us who was a NASCAR reporter. reporter. I have like 100,000 followers. So she points to Retweets our it and said, these are the guys who's it. Then all of a sudden now... We have a redneck army of tweeters who don't follow us who are threatening us all over Twitter. And it becomes dark and it gets intense. I get off the plane. I'm like, what the? What did you do? What did you do? What did you do to me? What happened in the last 45 minutes yeah, exactly. when I was on the plane? Right. Like, the fuck like, did you just do to us? I got on a plane and now all of a sudden. Thanks, like, bro. They yeah. fucking hate me too. <laughs> right. Burbank to Oakland. I'm more screwed. Wow. So, but it was one of those moments where oh, I. Oh, but dude, it's scary because it multiplies and it goes and it's going downhill and it's gaming momentum and they're getting angry. And angry and angry. So we then very much fought back a few to explain ourselves to be like, "Hey, man, he should get into anger management, and he should do this." And How'd that go? Saying, they're too like, soon. "It's too soon for you to make that joke." We said, "It's too soon for, for him, him to be racing." Race. You know? How so about who's, that? Who's too who's soon? Wrong? And so we fought back, and then we said, "Okay, guys, to our fans, this woman retweeted this about us." And she tried to rope us into this thing. We tweeted that out. And then our, our fans, fans turned on this then, woman. And then went back at them and started, our fans fought our fight But then, us. But then we just became, you know, like, like Matumbo just blocking anyone who was and, like, And the truth you know, of the matter is, like, we've been to the, Na we went to the Charlotte Motor Speedway when we were doing stand-up comedy in, in Charlotte, did a NASCAR ride-along. Do you know what a ride-along is? Yeah, oh, yeah. So you NASCAR ride-along as you get into, a uh, ride-along as you get into a NASCAR and Kevin Hart's there. He's never, never ride-along. Just kidding. Uh, so <laughs> you get into the car and a professional driver drives you on the track. 
I don't know. I've done you, it. No, I've done it. You know, Dude, it's yeah. unreal. It's scary. 175 miles yeah, yeah. per hour into the turn. I mean, yes. so, it's so Up fast. Up against the wall. Yeah, yeah, it's so fast that you, doesn't the track feel like a circle instead yes. of an oval? Yes. You don't even feel yes. the straightaways because you're like. I did it with Jimmy high. Johnson who was like looking over at me, finger on the wheel, mm. messing with me. I'm like, bro, can you both hands on the wheel, please? I know. Please. A little 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, yes. dude. So I mean, these guys. I've done it. I know exactly what you're saying. I mean, it's a crazy thing. So we have a tremendous respect and reverence for it. And we listen to a great, there's a great podcast. It's I forget the name of it. It was like the the not the open road. I forget what is it. But there's a heritage guy, road. Heritage road is the podcast, and they talk about the history of NASCAR. Really, the history of like that first weekend when there was like a storm on the Eastern Seaboard, and, and NASCAR in ABC Wild World of Sports, or that it was like shown through, and there was a, a fight after the. It was kind of an amazing. You guys don't need to tell me. Saw. I know you guys yeah, appreciate, the, appreciate sport, the sport, the history of the sport. I get we it. Appreciate Absolutely. the sport, but we had an opinion that was unpopular. We took down a sacred cow. We went after someone who who a lot of people were fans of and people didn't like that. And that's one of those moments where I, we stood up for what we said, but that was like a crazy moment. Right, so where, where that, okay, first of all, let me say this. NASCAR is so funny because for years, for years, I crushed these guys and killed these guys. Yeah, it's yeah. the left turn only circuit yes. and on and on and on and on. Yeah. And, and they're amazing. They didn't care. They literally, they came back at me back in the day with, hey, listen, can you come out to an event? Before you say these things, do you know what you're talking about? Yeah. Right. Would you like to talk to any of our drivers? Yeah. They won me over. Like, they're so fan-friendly. They, they market brilliantly. That's right. To your totally. point about Tony Stewart, I've literally interviewed every single driver I have ever asked for, and the ones that I don't ask for that they give me, except for Smoke. He's the only one who ever said no. Will not come in the jungle. Because, will not come in the jungle. Because I think he's got so, stuff There's on something the there. There's something yeah. inside There's something that, he there. that he knows but, you'll start to unpack that he doesn't want. So where did that leave us? I mean, so you guys did what you did, right. and you pushed back, yeah, and then yeah. this war resulted. Are we better for it? Are we all worse for it? I think What's we're our takeaway from I that? I think we're better. And did it change your approach in any way going you forward? Know, it did not change our approach because it has not stopped. Not to us social, from, not to Twitter. I mean, yeah, there are sometimes on social where we do now do ask the question: Are we prepared for what may come back at us? We but do. Like we, we're well, that's a change, we're right? Emotional about a lot of this stuff, you know. Laura Ingram or Ingram or whatever she said makes those comments about LeBron James. What did you think about that? What was I'm your like, reaction? I'm like, you have no, shut up and dribble. I was like, I'm like, shut up and do your show. Shut up and read the prompt. LeBron James, <laughs> exactly. LeBron, James, you don't even write your show. I'm sure. Like LeBron James is a is what Charles Barkley didn't want to be as an athlete. He is a role model. I mean, here's a guy, single mom, raised him up. He probably and I remember we watched a great documentary about LeBron James and his AAU days and his, you know, that sort of youth league he was in. His coach was such a great influence on his life. Okay, but here's a guy who wants to make a difference in, in people's lives and wants to be that so, good influence. So we're saying he's not allowed to have an opinion just because it's different from yours. But like, to me it, it again sounded like shut up and play football and shut up and do this when we felt like Man, that's a silent fucking protest of one person getting down on one of you who checked with a checked with a Navy SEAL. Hey, man, what's the right way to do that? The Navy SEAL helped them come up with this. So when the message gets twisted, we feel like we got to step up at least and say this is how we feel about it. Now, if we can be funny about it, then you and you can make even the people even who are against better. you laugh. Yeah. You, then you might actually get a message through to some people. And, you know, you're not going to get because it, we're so you know, trigger happy now in terms of like, like buzzwords come and, and you suddenly the whole group of people who don't have no idea what you're saying will come after you. But I still feel like we have to fight for those moments and that free speech in those ways. All right. So let me ask you this. If Tony Stewart was like this hot button topic or yeah. this, this point, where in the world does that leave you with Trump 
because I know you guys have strong opinions about the president. So how do you approach that with your shows, your social, and your it's content? Yes, yeah. great question. I mean, we were just on stage in Rochester, New York. It's not, you know, necessarily a liberal hotbed, but we have our attitudes about it. And, you know, whether you're a liberal or conservative, you can you can also be a Republican and not love Trump or what he represents. Sure. Yeah, you you could also love sure. what's going on with the stock market and not love the way the guy is. Like, that we've lost the nuance. So we brought up on stage that we're like, we're not happy with him as a person, all right? We tried to leave out what was going on here and there, but we're like, we're not happy with him as a person. We got some blowback from the crowd and we're like, hey, the good news is we're not telling you not to have that opinion, so let us have ours. That's what we said from the did stage. It, does that work? Yeah, it, it did, did because work. our next joke good. made people laugh. Our next you know joke good. was that we feel like when we have to tell the rest of the world that Trump is our president, that's like running into someone you haven't seen for a while and admitting that your son's in prison. Same conversation. Same conversation. Like, we don't know right. what happened. He's surprised I'm upset about it too. He could Look, be he, in there for eight years. We hope he gets out in four. Same, right. conversation. Same right. conversation. All right, so we made that joke, and then the crowd got behind us again, but we did have that moment as we were setting it up where we had to like deal with people who were blowing back at us. But we're, you know, maybe we don't do as much of that material in cities and areas where we feel like, is it worth it to really go down this road so far and really fight up, sled uphill against these people and to ruin a whole show to, to make that point? And for us, sometimes we're like, you know what, it's not. Well, we'll kind of leave a little bit off the table. But we want to have the right to, to make that choice. And you want to be true to yourselves, yeah. Yeah. but it is business. And, you know, even you guys know this. There, When you go to a place where you haven't been, and maybe you won't be back. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine you look at the demographics. Some people probably travel a long time to get there. Mm -hmm. You don't want to lose that guy who loves you over one joke, right? That's, and, and that's the thing. And that's why we say, is that, you got to make that, say, what are we about? Is that exactly what we're about and only but, that? But, but And it's, the little thing is what I just said is that we want it to be our choice. We want to be the ones to say, you know, we're not going to do this right now. We're going to actually choose not to do this, but that's our call. It's not you telling us what we can and can't say. It's us saying, all right, we wait it out. It's not worth it. Or it is worth it. I get it. Or it is. Or it, it is. Probably depends on the night. Sometimes depends on the night. Sometimes you're probably like, hey, you know what? Let's do this. We're going tonight I'm feeling it. And depends on what's going on in do the you guys, do you, I mean, you guys obviously see a lot of things eye to eye. Are there ever nights where you're like, no, bro, I'm not. No, bro. No pun intended. Yeah, no, yeah. bro. We're not doing that tonight. Yeah, tonight is the night to do it. You got, or, or philosophically, yeah, you guys are almost always on the same page. No, no, we, no. There are moments where we don't agree. And there are moments when we don't agree on how something is to be done. I mean, that's the beauty of getting up a bunch of times and doing stand-up or getting out on a podcast is I could have my opinion. I can say, you know what? I don't like the way this is worded and I don't like the way we're going down this road. And he could be like, I want to try it. And then we try it. And if it doesn't work, I'm like, see, I'm, I'm right. Yeah, yeah. I'm right. This is, you got to have some, you can't agree on everything. And we don't, we're brothers. I mean, if you have siblings, you understand, like you're never going to agree on everything. The thing about it is, and there's, we take a very, cause we played sports a ton growing up as kids. We played basketball, we played baseball, we played soccer, we played, you know, pretty much everything, tennis together. And the Twitter I'd avatar call. is priceless. Yeah, yeah, two young baseballers, man, that was the tiny best. Tiny mustaches <laughs> that made us look like we were Puerto Ricans. So uh, we, we honestly though, like we played so much, we would get down on each other the way you would get down on yourself. Yeah. You know, like you, there's, there's a little place that you have for yourself where you're, you can get down on yourself in a way that nobody else can. Sure. Because you we're to. twins, you can. We can get on we each other. It would make way. other people uncomfortable. Though. Makes people so uncomfortable playing pick up basketball and just take a ball and just whip it at his head, and people <laughs> right. like, all right, all right, okay. <laughs> hey, hey. Which is come. why, literally, when we play pick up basketball, we had to be on opposite teams. Playing you guys against exactly each other. Did it. Yeah. Okay. Because was, then we're like, we were less, we were less adversarial when we were on opposite teams than when we were on Isn't the same Isn't that funny? Team. You know, I've got, you guys, and now you guys are parents too. Like, I've got two sons and they're three and a half years apart. I just, nor, I just normally, 
just believe that they'd beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, right. They don't. They maybe, don't. Maybe it's age. Jake's a much he's a great big brother yeah. Logan who's like super talented super smart looks up to his big brother they don't beat the shit out of each other I thought they would in fact they never even swing on each other that's you know what and that may be a good thing I mean truthfully I love it like, I'm very happy gift. about it it's a, gift. it's a gift because you don't want them you don't want that bond no. to break. you you gotta tell them and I have two daughters 10 and 12 and I say the same thing to them I'm like you're her best friend. Right. So, like, I hate it when Take you... Take care of each other. Don't emotionally pick her apart. Don't do this to there's her. There's enough of that shit outside there. It's yeah, all there's out enough there. of that. And look, you know who's going to be standing around in 50 years? This dude. Right. This girl. They're going to be right next to you 50 years from now. Maybe not your friends from right now. So, it is cool. When you see a good moment, when they're, you know... I mean, they are a source of tremendous comedy for us. And we, you know, I kind of, you know, as parents, you go into the teenagers. I mean, I'm on the precipice of teenage years with two girls in Los Angeles raising them. How okay, fun so that? that? Yeah, good luck with that. But part of me is like, let it be crazy. Team content. We're going exactly, right. to get a great content. team content. You That's know what I mean? You're gonna get, we're going to maybe get an hour. The, out of it. If something is a disaster, then it's great for the act. If something is good, then it's good it's for your life. life. If it's medium, then, it, you're like, then you it's... You mean A or F? We don't want medium. We don't want Cs. Guys, I'm not this guy at all. I don't, I don't like lists. I've never liked lists. I've never wanted lists. But you guys are so good about respecting those who came before you, those who are doing the game or the thing the right way right now. I'm going to be list guy. i got to ask, who are your five favorite comedians? Think about it for a minute. Yeah, so yeah. good. Five favorite comedians ever. Well, I think, you know, as we were growing up, I can say who the ones that we, because there are great ones now. I mean, you know, you can, Chappelle is just on, on another, with the last two specials he released, he's on another level. And someone we looked up to and, and friends with and have always liked. Why, why is he next level? What makes him different than anybody else? So you know even look at the, he's, he spent so many years, he's been doing it about the same amount of time as we have. So he started around 15. He two, started a few years before us. Maybe, but like we're all, we're around 40, we're 46, so he's about 47, I think. And we've all started around the same time. He spent like 20 years be like writing jokes and just being one of the funniest joke guys ever then he started turning that that towards race and towards like some bigger broader issues and then he added that big broad stuff and mixed it in with personal stuff and now he's like taking everything and it's and all I'd come together the two netflix specials he released at the beginning of last year versus the two he released at the end of last year the beginning were great i'm like he's back he's back our buddy's back he's back these are so funny the two at the end of the year, I'm like, he is now taking, he is transcending. And what the, happened in that year? How did he get from here to here? He just was working it and working it and working it, got back into his groove. I mean, for him, he's a guy who made, you know, we're all just trying to figure out what's the next project and how can we make something that we love that will be great and a lot of people will see. He walked away from $50 million where people would say, why did you do that? And I know why he did it. It's like he he almost needed, he needed the 12 years of exile in Ohio on his farm to come back. And, and when he did these two specials, especially the second special at the Comedy Store, Upstairs in the Belly Room, which is where we do that roast battle thing we were talking about sure. before. Intimate, small. It's like yep. 100 people, you're right Raw. on top of them. He had so many moments where he just sat there and thought for a second. Nobody saying a word. And he controlled the, the, the pace of it and all that stuff. It's almost like a point guard bringing the ball up. You control the pace of the game. We're going to walk this up. It's like watching a Syracuse game. Syracuse-Duke game yesterday, I'm like, man, Syracuse, or last week, and I'm like, they're going to lose. They're going to lose. But then I looked at the score, and I'm like, it's 28-22 at half. I mean, they held Duke to 28 points because they're just, they slow down the pace of the thing. He's in control of it. When he was at his height, 
post sh- like Chappelle shows out. If he took a breath while performing, someone would yell out, I'm Rick James, bitch, or someone else would yell out this and someone else would yell yet. And then he's got it, it fucks with your pacing and your timing, and it's your just tempo. not good. Yeah. And he was and so he was not in control of it. They were in control of what he was doing. And he's someone who's like, I like to be in control of how I'm putting this stuff out there. Because for him, one of his best joke instructions is to make a very like positive statement or, or a deeply sort of uh, woke philosophical woke statement and then pause for a second and then pull the rug out from under it. That is a great joke construction that he does. But if you're in that pause, someone's going to yell something out. They ruin the Fuck whole it moment. Yeah. They ruin the moment. Yeah. So he's at a really great spot. When we were kids, we were huge Seinfeld fans before priest before he ever you know he was on carson and he had an hbo special and he was on rodney dangerfield's young comedian special which i highly recommend your fans who the ninth annual rodney Dangerfield. he does like a seven or eight minute set in there did you, guys, excuse me, did you ever meet rodney you ever spend any time with him we never met rodney. i had him on talk too oh on espn when i first got that tv show Amazing. i had him in studio and i, th- I thought he was unbelievable he, I, mean, I just thought rodney was the funniest guy dude he he was really strange you know because i was young and didn't i was learning mm-hmm. i was a little bit naive. Mm-hmm. I was probably late 20s. Mm-hmm. And I sat with Rodney, who was a little farther down the road than sure. I was, sure. who knew what he did before he got to the set that night. Mm-hmm. It, it was really unusual. It's kind of hard to explain even how the conversation went. I mean, like I told following it. Oh, was no. Well, he was a guy who also didn't figure out what he was until he was Late. like in his 50s. Right. Like he was a guy who was telling these long stories that had sort of turns of phrases and it wasn't working great. Once he him. got his character, I get I get no respect. That yeah. then was like a joke machine. That filtered into everything. So he could literally write joke upon joke upon joke. And then that guy became a, there was a version of him in Caddyshack, which I watched on the plane yesterday, still holds up. There was a version of that in Back to School. There was but, a version. But imagine trying to sit down and have this conversation with him. Uh, Dude, it was very I, I strange. I can't even imagine. It was I, very, very strange. I, I can't even imagine. But, you know, so. But so, I loved him. So Seinfeld was on that show. He, yep. he. Dangerfield did a lot for young comedians. He would yeah, have that the, was really beautiful. He did that HBO Young Comedian special, and we as St. Louis kids in St. Louis were like glued to the TV. And Seinfeld does maybe one of the most perfect seven or eight minute sets of comedy on that show. We loved him. We loved him so much, and it was so funny. We were like, "It's a shame that we're the only ones who are going to get to know Seinfeld." That was our attitude. <laughs> it's like, "Today the world's not going to know Seinfeld." People are going to know. So then, cut to, cut to like a few years ago, we're we're performing up in Chicago. We go to our friend's cabin up in Wisconsin because everyone in Chicago has like cabins. Yeah, they Wisconsin. do. I know that. So it's like an old family, like on a lake. One it's of our even, best friends are exactly that. No so, frills up in Montello. When we go to this like little diner, diner on a Sunday morning, everyone at the diner is either coming from church or coming from hunting. Right, mm-hmm. like there's church. A, there's a flatbed truck where facing the dining, the big glass <laughs> like window, ten dead deer, ten dead deer just <laughs> spilling out of the back of it and you walk in and people are in camouflage or church clothes on the wall are all pictures of controlled burns from like the local fire local fire department smiling in front of houses that are burning and then right next to a controlled burn there's a picture of the soup nazi from seinfeld <laughs> i'm like this motherfucker wow. made it up here wow. with these this people? new york jew got up into yeah, right? the, up up into wisconsin so much so that they could put a picture of not even Incredible. seinfeld but the soup a nazi character, a character right, from the right, show right. so that to us is is a great reminder so let that, i would say him i would say letterman i would say shandling shandling was a big big guy that we loved Go because back to letterman did you guys ever do letterman show never, never did that just, I, I did that twice you, I, yeah. 
yeah, I, I did it twice, and I got to tell you, it. I mean, like you guys, Dave, you know, I'm a little bit older than you guys, but I'm David Letterman. The I'm best. sitting with David Letterman. The best. Letterman knows who I am and I wants me to come on the show. Yeah. Amazing. And the second time I did it, I felt a little, slightly more comfortable, right. yep. but not real comfortable. But he literally looked at me and goes, "Did I say something to piss you off?" Uh, and I'm like, "Oh my god! Dave, oh my god, Dave! Dad. No, no, no! You're no, in trouble, you. bro. What's gonna happen?" So one of the best little bits that he did and I love this so much and you will love this because it's a sports joke Dave's a sports guy oh, yeah, Ball yeah. State basketball that's how I was there right yeah. yeah so he knows this is one of the best bits we ever and this tiny bit informs so much of the way we look at comedy and pretty much like this is like you understand the beginnings of Cheap Seats as a, oh, sure. as a TV show so in this bit so he gets a mail remember when we did the mailbag the yes. mailbag was so funny because it just would go in any direction and this is his writer's staff but he carried off beautiful so beautifully so a guy sends in a letter he's like uh, hey Dave uh, do you do, do you, you dye your eyebrows or your hair? You know which one do you dye? Just wondering. Gary Brown, St. Louis, Missouri. P.S. The Mets or Pons come. This is now, like '86. So remember in the '80s, it was like the Cardinals in eight, Mets in '84, Cardinals in '85, Mets in '86, Cardinals in '87. So they were in our division, and the, I mean, we can tell you that's funny. Right. Deep stories about John Tudor and Doc Gooden going toe to toe, and Terry Pendleton hitting the home run. I mean, over they took Jesse Keith Roscoe. Hernandez. I mean, it, it was it, Tudor was a weird dude. Tudor man. was a weird, but it was dude. deep, deep, deep. Oh yeah. Okay, so the hatred was deep. We remember it. And Dave says, uh, hold, hold it on a second. Hold Gary. it right there, Gary. The Mets are, in fact, not pond scum. And I'll prove it to you with this chart right here. Pulls up a chart. And he's like, and he starts going through the whole thing. He's like, uh, the Mets Cons uh, consume microbes. microbes. All right. Same <laughs> with the pond scum. Pond scum consume microbes. Mets occasionally damp. Here's the difference. The Mets eligible for free agency after five years. Pond scum not eligible for free agency. And then the last one, he was like, the Mets uh, have one player named Mookie. Pond scum, everyone, everyone is named Mookie. Crowd goes, crowd goes nuts. Incredible. Like, brilliant, but he took this one little PS yep. at the end of the letter. And it's so funny because we read emails when we're on the show and you read them. Sometimes God, dude, he was it's so that, far ahead of his time. Sometimes it's that PS that you're like, oh, this is going to be the next 30 minutes we're going to talk about on this show. Is PS this is PS. always better than the email right it's better than email. way better yeah. all right so who else anybody so, else letterman shanling we were huge richard lewis fans huh. like richard lewis did a special where he's dressed in black and he i mean he was at the improv at, at the improv, improv next to a piano it was i uh, mean it's one of the saddest things is one of our favorite comedians back in the day it's hard to reconcile it now was bill Co bill cosby himself that special as like in sitting down and he was up in toronto, toronto and he yeah. delivered that thing that was like gospel to but us. I would I would say he's not a stand-up, but as a comedic force, Mel Brooks was another huge comedic huge. force for us. The movies of Mel Brooks, the movies of and Woody the, Allen, and, and that's another one, hard one to reconcile as you sort of see where he's at nowadays. Like, like the Woody, like you think about, uh, was it Bananas? The end of the yeah. movie Bananas. Oh my God. The consummation of the wedding night with Wide World of Sports there. And Cosell. You know Cosell. Did you ever meet Cosell? <sighs> No, no. I can remember for the 84 Olympics, they had us all tied in on like mm -hmm. this. There was no internet, but we could all kind of like, we, we were connected somehow with these kind of like prehistoric computers. Yeah. And I was like blowing them up. You know what I'm trying? I'm like, I'm like, Howard, my name is Jim Rome. I really want to meet you and have lunch with you. Yeah. And he finally hit me back with, he corrected my grammar. I think he said, course, just course. stop. All right. Yeah, we're not exactly. having lunch. This is not going to happen. That's the closest I ever got I to Howard Cosell. I love you. I, I tried. I tried. So Cosell in that movie, go back and watch that scene where like he, he it's Woody Allen and Louise Lasser are consummating the marriage and, and they're doing it like a, like a title fight. Right. And he's like, you know, here comes Mellish bobbing up and down the aisle in the virginal white and they come down and they and and it's and they talk about the match and they it's happening and then they do the post-match interview 
And it's so it was funny. so brilliant. It was so brilliantly done. And that more than anything said, wow, you can actually use sports in a funny way and apply it to life and do sports things in life and 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 really make it work out. You could tell that like Woody Allen was a was a boxing fan or watched Wide World of Sports For because sure. you have to get that in order to be able to, to get then, all the details right. Yeah. Like you hate it. Like when you ever see a movie and like, what was it? Someone was telling us about the fan. Or was it the fan? Maybe it was the fan. It's like British director who didn't understand baseball. Right. Like pouring down rain. I think De Niro's like a crazy or yeah, yeah it's a yeah. crazy, crazy yeah, yeah. man. Yeah. And he said like the on deck hitter, like baseball fans would notice that the, the, the on deck hitter, vernacular up. Right. right. The on deck hitter would come out of the oh, dugout like to go where? hit. Like why why is he not <laughs> in the on deck? What sport is this? What yeah. sport? I'm like even in Most Valuable Primate, a movie that I can't believe I watched this little part of it, but that was like one where the monkey plays hockey. This monkey, he doesn't even like take the slap shot above the monkey's shoulder. Right. He takes it back to the monkey to a monkey knee, which is not even that thing. Four inches. At four inches. And then he hits it, and it goes through the back of the net. Now, we have been watching the St. Louis Blues in hockey for our entire lives. Al Iafrady had, had one of Brett the Hall. hardest slap Brett shots. Hall. Brett Brett Hall. Hall. One of the hardest slap shots ever. I have never in my entire <laughs> life seen anybody, a professional NHL player, put it through the back like, of the isn't net. Isn't it enough that the monkey's on skates and he can score? Yeah. Like, 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 <laughs> like why do you have to put it through the goddamn net? net? Stop, guys. Too much. Let me ask you about one more guy. Like, so Janet and I were going to Vegas once, and Janet says, when we were in City College, all the girls would go to see Don Rickles. We love Don Rickles. So we get in, because I know a guy at the Desert Inn. This is old school, old mm -hmm. school. The guy from the DI goes, do you want to see Don Rickles? I'm like, we'd love to see Don Rickles. Yes. We go to the show. He says, do you want to go backstage and meet Don Rickles oh, oh, after the show? Yeah. And I'm like, Janet, like, we're like yes, 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 yes. We go back there. My man is in a robe. Yep. He, yeah. goes, he goes, I know about you. You're that guy on Fox Sports. And I'm like, fucking Don Rickles knows Don who Rickles I am. Who are. Dude, he was so awesome. He's amazing. What an awesome guy. I mean, he Where do you guys come out on Don Rickles? He, the biggest fans ever. And I'll say this story about I'm so Don glad Rickles. to hear it. So we had Hello Dummy, which was his, you know, and by the way, there's a lot of things on those old albums that are just flat out racist nowadays. And I'm like, my favorite moment would be when he would take like a very sentimental moment and be like, listen, I was in the Navy and we'd stand on the ship and all of us would be together and it didn't matter what color you were, black, white, brown, Asian, Puerto Rican. And then he'd stop and be like, well, yeah, Puerto, Puerto Rican, Rican, you got you problems. Got <laughs> I'm like, stop it. You're it, hilarious. And, but he was amazing. We had Hello Dummy, which was one of our favorite. It was like all crowd work, just him. Thirty-seven minutes. Thirty-seven minutes. It's not a long. Him album. at the the Sands. I, I think it was in. I think it was in Las Vegas yeah. in '67. And I just remember when we came out to LA in '99, and he was out here because he was a friend because he was on our show. We mentioned him before, but Zach Alfanakis, who he, we were like we're comedy buddies. Like he, we're in the same sort of comedy class right and so he was sitting in the back of our car and we sat like he was living out in santa monica and the three of us sat for 37 minutes after like we had been out at a party like we just went out to a party and then came back to his place and like the three of us sat in the car and listened to the cd in 99 and listened to the entire and recently he there was an interview posted between zach and uh and rickles and afterwards they were doing like in the credits he said it, he mentioned this in the story that, that awesome? he sat with us. i mean it was like but Rickles, it's the best stuff. And when you think about Rickles, what's so great about him, and this is it, like his public persona was he was a bulldog and no one wanted to mess with him and he was great, but his best friend was Bob Newhart. Mm. The sweetest. The two families got together and they went on vacations together and you're like, Bob Newhart was the sweetest guy well, ever. Well, the reason it works is the reason why Jeff Ross works today, okay? Jeff Ross can roast the 
shit out of anybody. Best, I've, right? I've never seen anybody roast people. I haven't either. Jeff Ross's line, I wouldn't have sex with her with B. Arthur's dick. That, that with in, ter- in reference to Courtney Love. In line of Courtney uh, Love. Is, with B. Arthur sitting next to him, may she rest in peace, but she was alive. Can today, I laugh at shit like that? Yes, of course you can. The look on B. Arthur, and B. Arthur milked it and turned to the camera and looked, and it was, but what's beautiful about that is, yes, that is mean. You were saying that B. Arthur has a dick, but uh, he, he, you could tell that she loved it because he did. He said it out of love, and I think it goes many, back to the Keegan thing, right? It's are you trying to inflict pain? What is your intent? What, what is, is your intent? intent? Jeff Ross. People wanted to get roasted. They would. They would beg to sit in the front. There'd be a guy who'd be who who'd you know have a turban on, and he'd die. He'd want to sit in the front row well, because, Rickles show because because he like, wanted Rickles to roast because him that was to, something almost like something special for him to take the time to care about writing a joke about you. Is he, just we got amazing. backstage and he was in that robe. He was sweet man. He was a oh. nice man. And he did he nice. have his like he had like a Japanese valet or someone, a guy who was there I, to like press his pants? For I, think, him I think I was too odd by the guy to look around. <laughs> yeah, I didn't exactly. See. I mean, I mean he's guys, guys, you you guys need to go. We can do this forever and ever. But I don't, I don't even conveniently say, well, what can we promote on the way out because you guys have so many things but so, poop talk again poop where can they find in, that yeah. there's I mean, an audio book coming up i want i want you guys to talk sure. about also yeah so and anything else we have left last thing about poop talk i love like poop talk is actually i think it's going to have a longer life because we just got a spot someone sponsoring the yeah, movie poopery. Like, right this is what's crazy poopery. so we talk <laughs> poop, about poopery, like, the stuff you put in the toilet yes. that like makes a shield it's like the most brilliant invention ever so brilliant they are now sponsoring the movie so like again at every turn we kind of thought oh this movie's probably not going to be out in theaters it was in theaters uh probably not gonna have a long it's here. I probably won't get a sponsor. Poopery jumps on board, and I mean, I can't thank them enough. We're like, you know how you are with your sponsors. Oh, You're yeah, like, the best. They, they, they keep you going. They, they keep, keep you going. going. So, Matt, big props to them. So that's, I mean, the audio book we did is called Sklars and Stripes, and it's coming out in, we think. So think about, like, your radio tours, when you were doing the radio tours. When we go around, and, and I know you did this, because I know you kind of dig in, and you know a little bit about each city. When we do stand-up in a city, like we were just in Rochester, we try Rather than sitting in our hotel room the whole time, we're like, let's experience this city. We're away from our families, which sucks. And there are families aren't happy that we're away. We don't want to sit in a hotel room and be depressed. Let's go out and experience as much as we can. And try to write comedy. Find out what the city is grappling. What are they dealing with? What are they, you know, like, have, has, has gay pr- culture been priced out of San Francisco? Like, what is, you know, what is San Francisco or San Diego thinks the wall is coming and are they dealing with that? And, you know, you sort of go, like, Houston. We went down to Houston post- the hurricane yeah. and, we, and post the Astros win. So we were talking about the Astros win in Houston and we said, you know, if you weren't from LA or Houston and you lived anywhere in the country, you were rooting for Houston because after the devastation of Harvey, everyone wanted to see Houston get a win. And sure. they were like, well, but the but thing- had the Dodgers won, it would have been the same thing after the devastation of the Harvey, Harvey Weinstein. Right. That city needed a <laughs> win. <laughs> could have used the win for Christ's sake. But so we did that in that moment, and the crowd loved it because they're like, you so are talking about. I mean, there might have been right. people in the crowd who saw their possessions float away. Sure. And you're digging in and trying to make them laugh in that moment. So if what we smart. You can if you're it. smart and you can do it, and if you're right. and if it comes from a good place, a loving place, which it did, which is kind of what we were saying about Rickles. So we would go in and we said, okay, here's the challenge: we're going to go to ten cities, 
and we're going to try and write five to ten minutes, really ten minutes of material about each city when we go on plane lands Thursday, or if it's a comedy festival, sometimes you plan lands Friday and you leave on Sunday morning, so you have one day to really do to write ten minutes. You got to experience the city, and Crazy. so we had someone come with us, our buddy Scott Rogowski, who himself in the oh, year blew up. He's the host of HQ. If you've ever seen that, like yes, that, so yes, that, so yes, he yes. Came, so this he's a brilliant comedian and our buddy, and he was our producer. So the three of us would go around and write comedy as his life was changing dramatically throughout the year, and it documents the whole it's thing. Three documentaries in one. What it's like to be in those in these cities today in 2017. Number two, what it's like to be comedians at our level traveling around and touring in these clubs. And number th- and then number three, what is the evolution of a joke? How do we see something in the field and then I turn it into a funny observation and then you see it over the time and, and then, then the, the last, last 10 minutes, minutes of the thing is the stand-up in each chapter. So each chapter is about 35, 45 minutes long, 10 chapters in this book. The crazy other thing that emerged is the very first weekend we did on this sort of 10-city odyssey was the weekend after the election in San Diego wow. in 2016. Wow. So then what followed was the most tumultuous year, oh, I would yeah. say, of our of our history that I can remember. And, and, and a year where everyone retreated into their bubbles. So like, you liberals and conservatives, you just went into your own echo chamber. But as comedians, you know, you get the call, you got to go. So, so here are the states we went to. As liberal comedians, here are the states we went to. We went to Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas, Missouri, Indiana, Indiana, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. I mean, sometimes blue how dots. Did, how, did that, how did that shake down like that? And, you know, we just went to the places that booked us, and they were cities that we hadn't how been to. How far out did you book? I mean, we, we would book, book like eight months out okay. in advance. Right. And, and and our bookings were to try and go to places that we had never been before. So that, that we, we could really so we kind of actually discover. discover for the first time and discover things. Sounded and great. So, and it was great. It was I mean, great. So then we're going to take, so we've, we've sort of finished that whole documentary is almost done, and then we're going to take six minutes of stand-up from each city, 10 cities, that's an hour, and make a, and make a and it's called Sklars and Stripes Comedy oh. Album. We'll release that. That's going to come out on audible.com on uh, like the first week in April. So, so finally, dudes, when you guys were coming out of Ann Arbor, did you know 20, 25, 30 years out, you could live the life that you dreamed, doing what you want to do, beautiful families, beautiful wives, you guys are bros, doing the work. I mean, it's, it's an amazing life that you have earned but look what you're doing. And I know you guys appreciate it. Oh, it's so, it's so appreciated. I mean, I'm really, really happy for you guys. I mean, thank you. Thank you. And, and you guys and, have done so well. And you've done a lot for us, too. We, I haven't we, done yeah. anything. Well, oh, you've given us chances and give us support, which really is we never take that for granted, especially from people who are up above pulling you guys up. You guys up. don't take anything for granted. Not no, at all. We don't. And you truth, never have. I mean, the truth of the matter is, yeah, we look up at people and say, yeah, I wish we were doing that, or I wish we had this show on, or I wish this became a bigger thing. Like, how great would it be to this this thing that we just described to you as an audio book? Book, how great would that be if that was a show on Netflix? How great would that we be? All if was, yeah, we all do this. So we all do this. We all do that. And so we often talk about it as a ladder. Okay, so you're on the ladder climbing up, trying to get to your highest height. And, and by nature, you always look up at the guys above you and you say, "Wow, I, I want that." Every once in a while, you got to stop. You got to look down and see how many rungs you've climbed up the ladder, and then look at the line of the people who are waiting Looking to get on the ladder. Yeah, there's right, a right. line of people They're not who even are on the ladder. On the ladder. Yeah. So you have to appreciate that. And you know, again, I, when we were kids. This is so funny because this is a story that this motivates us in a weird way. We were kids, you know, Sklar is a very difficult name for most people in customer service or restaurants because it's three letters. I mean, Rome is three consonants in a row. Rome is very easy, okay? Sklar is very difficult. SKL is just impossible. People want to say Skyler, Skackler, Skeeler. (laughs) There's no human way they get it right. So much so that our dad, Richard Sklar, 
would often, when we go to a restaurant, would just put our name in as the Richards family. But he wouldn't tell uh, us. Wouldn't tell us. So like we'd just be sitting there, and then like the hostess would be like, "Richards party of four would be like, yeah, that's, that's us. us. We just knew. <laughs> like, we, that like, was we just us. accepted the fact that we could that, that our could. name wasn't good enough for a restaurant to recognize. We were like, if we could make a mark in this world to the point where other people whose last names are Sklar, which isn't many, but just that other if be- someone called in somewhere and said. My last name is Sklar. Like, if they were to say, oh, like the Sklar brothers, and they said yes. yes. Fucking love that. You know what I mean? love that. I love that. I love that. That's so great. That's so great. That's great. In fact, I was going to, I want to walk off on that. You mentioned mentioned your dad. Yeah. Your father passed away. Mm -hmm. My father had cancer. Mm -hmm. He died in 1992. Mm -hmm. He used to tell me how to do the show, try Mm -hmm. to produce the show. I don't know if your dad got involved with your business. Never mind that I never got involved with his business. Actually, actually I did, and he fired me. (laughs) I worked for him, and he fired me. So I did get involved in his business. But but you have to have moments where you'd give anything to sit with your dad and just bounce something off him or get his thoughts. Now, we can can be deep and say, oh, he knows, and he probably does know, Mm -hmm. but it's not quite the same, and you guys have to have those moments. We do, and as dads ourselves now, you kind of say, and I often say this to my kids, especially when I'm, like, trying to discipline them. I'm like, look, it is my job, and sometimes it sucks, but to make you the best person that you can be. And we have friends whose dads died early or left, and I have to say, they're great, and they're awesome people, and they're really good people, but there's something missing. There is something missing when your dad wasn't around in those really important early years, or one parent was years, around, man. Years, years, because they teach you how to handle, like, it just comes out in weird ways. Like, someone bristles too much at a situation where you're like, why are you making such a big deal out of that? That shouldn't be that big of a deal, and you know, it's other stuff popping up. So, like, a dad would be like, hey, that guy's working really hard, and that guy is, is is busting his ass right now, so you can't be mad. Don't be impatient, because that guy's been on his knees for the last 12 hours. And then all of a sudden you hear that, and you're like, oh, yeah. I, I was not doing So we try to be that for, and, and I guess that's one way. And then we tell, like, you know, if we ever do stories about our dad. I mean, our dad was great. He used to fuck with us so much in the best ways that was, like, we'd go into a restaurant, and he'd see someone that he knew over there who didn't see him first. And he'd be like, go over to go that, over table, that the, table. and just, just see that guy, guy in the corner. Just, that guy in the corner over there, go over him and just stop at the table and just be like, Daddy. <laughs> So we would. Hilarious. I mean, we're talking like five year old kids awesome. would like That's walk incredible. over like and, 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 and create just. He would chaos. tell you to do that shit. Just chaos. chaos at a table. And then our dad would just peek over the side and just wave, wave, and just the person would fall out, and we we're like, you know that. That's that stays with us, and so if we can kind of just impart, impart the way he sort of brought us up into our kids, you're keeping him alive in those ways. And yeah, but by the same token, I would love to be able to sit down and be like, okay, this is this is all the stuff we've done. Isn't this really cool? That's and what I'm saying too. So we we yeah. try and take that time with our mom, who's still. around. But it is cool way. that your dad got to see you and hear you. Sort of, kind of. He was pretty sick at the time, right? So he kind of followed it, like right when I got that break at 690. Yeah, I mean, not to be morbid, but the. The leukemia had kind of gotten into his brain. Right. He wasn't quite there, but we had a moment. We had a beer. We right. talked. So it was, it was kind of on the precipice, but there was something there. Right. You know, he knew whole, something was he, happening. I, I, you're right, but he knew enough to tell me how to do the show. Right. Yeah. Which is what, which, you know, as yeah. you go on, it gets funnier and funnier. That shit's funny to me now. Always. 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 It is funny. Always. It's perfect. Always. Guys, uh, again, I'm so happy to see you guys. This is not an easy thing to do with all the work and the kids, and you got to pick the kids up. You made the trip down time, here. Of course. I love you guys, and I'm really proud of you guys. Thank you very much for everything Thank and it's you. so good to see you thanks Romy. that was tremendous i mean that was absolutely awesome hilarious insightful nostalgic i mean it's been like 10 minutes since these guys were here and i already cannot wait to do it again man that was awesome that was so fun you want some range check out these last three episodes 
Molly Bloom, David Goggins, and the Sklars. All of that and 23 others are ready to drop a needle on right now on iTunes and all the Android podcast players. Whatever conversation you're looking for, I've got it right here. Also, the jungle is now officially in space. Earlier last week, the daily radio program started airing live on Sirius 213, XM201. So, if you're in a market that does not have the show or recently lost the show, you can now find us on satellite radio. Plenty happening right here. There always is, so be sure you keep it locked. Thank you for the support. Thanks for checking out all of our projects. It is much appreciated. I'm back on March 6th with episode 27. Until then, I am out.